Welcome to the second episode of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. I'm your host, Joe Galloway, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Luigi Federico. How are we doing today, everybody? Ryan Nunn was unavailable this week. Collectively, we are the Dynasty Dreamers. We go to bed thinking about Dynasty. We dream about Dynasty. We wake up thinking about Dynasty. You get the picture. Ladies and gentlemen, we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in addition to YouTube now. On today's show, we have a couple of more rosters that we're going to take a look at. One of them belonging to our very own Luigi Federico, and the other belonging to a listener, Greg Dene. Uh, I hope I pronounced your name right, Greg. If not, please let me know in the comments. He asked us to take a look at several of his rosters, and we're going to highlight one of them later in the show. We're going to debut what I hope becomes a new weekly segment later in the show as well. I want to start things off today by just uh, thanking all of you out there who listened to us last week. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback. I- I'm very uh, satisfied with all the positive feedback we got. I'm also very happy to, to let you know that we got a ton of constructive criticism. And uh, it was all good stuff. Lots of good ideas on how to make the show better uh, lot from an audio standpoint and from a content standpoint. We are going to try our hardest to incorporate as much of that in today's show as possible. Any type of comment is appreciated. Uh, we, we, we love the positive praise, but the constructive criticism is probably even more important to us at this point in time. So we just came off the uh, divisional round of the playoffs this past weekend, Luigi. Uh, I kind of had started with the Bengals and the AFC at the beginning of the postseason saying, this is the team that's going to the Super Bowl again. I'm a big Joe Burrow guy and kind of just kind of just thought that they would be in the playoffs. Also picked the Vikings to go out of the NFC. So, yeah, that didn't go very well. That that prediction didn't win me a lot of money. But uh, with with the Bengals, I'll I'll have to admit, I kind of laid off of them after I saw the week one performance, week one playoff performance against the Ravens. I thought the offensive line looked atrocious in that game. And not just that it looked atrocious, but that they had had so many injuries that it kind of made sense that they would probably continue to struggle with me. But uh, after seeing them against the Bills this weekend, I'm fully back on board. It's Bengals all the way to the Super Bowl. What? How did you see the games this weekend? So before the uh, divisional round, I chose the the four teams that actually ended up winning the games to win. I just thought the Eagles outmatched the Giants pretty easily. Uh, the um, Chiefs were just – I thought the Chiefs would blow the brakes off the Jags, but with Mahomes getting hurt, I think that factored into why it was a closer game. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, I picked the Bengals at the beginning of the playoffs, just like you did, to make it to the Super Bowl, and I also picked the 49ers. So I chose both of those teams, even though I thought those games would be closer – uh, to, to touch on your comment about the Ravens-Bengals game, I'm a firm believer that divisional opponents in the playoffs just make that game that much harder. So I wasn't as worried about the Bengals losing to the Ravens as I guess you were. I just thought that the Bengals were settling on some plays against the Ravens. Maybe they felt like they didn't have to be as explosive to show some plays so that they could incorporate those plays against the Bills or whatever their opponent was the next week. And the other thing I think was they kind of felt slighted that the NFL was selling tickets to Bills fans for the neutral site. 
for the Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game. So they went into there with some with a chip on their shoulder and Burrow does seem like a guy who would be way into bulletin board material. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so I, I think they, this was their game. They, they, this was their, we have to win this game. And they went in there and they played, I think, one of the best games they've played all year. They, they've looked like the best team probably from, I want to say, week eight or week nine till even right now in the league. And uh, I, I didn't see anything against the Bills that makes me believe that they can't go into Arrowhead and beat the banged-up Chiefs. So, you know, so you you picked the Bengals and the 49ers before the playoffs started. And, he guys, he actually did. We talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, but I'm going to play devil's advocate on the 49ers side of things. I told you already, I, I'm, I'm with the Bengals now. I, I'm not going against Joe Burrow at this point. Uh, I think they're going to Arrowhead this weekend, and I think that he's going to beat uh, Mahomes for the fourth consecutive time. Uh, but I'll go devil's advocate on the other side. After what I saw this weekend from both teams, and I know that Dallas was probably a much more quality opponent than the Giants were, and they have a tougher defense. I, I get that, but I just think that the the Eagles are just a better, more well-rounded team right now than the, than the 49ers are. And as – as well as Brock Purdy has played, I just can't imagine that Jalen Hurts, the deficiency, the difference there at the quarterback position isn't going to play a huge part. I think that Purdy showed this week that he was human against a good defense, which I don't really feel like he's played up until last week. Philly may not be as strong on defense as Dallas is, but they're they're no slouches, that's for sure. They're one of the, you know, one of the top ten defenses in the league. Uh, offensively, I think that the teams are similar, but I just kind of think that that uh, Hertz is more ready for this moment than Brock Purdy is, which maybe I'll be surprised here because Purdy seemed ready for every moment that's been handed to him up until this point. But uh, I kind of think it could get ugly this weekend. I think I think Philadelphia might be able to win at home by a couple of touchdowns. That's kind of my prediction going into this week for the two games. Uh, so I'm a big chip on your shoulder guy and I, I you know I said that about the Bengals going into Buffalo and beating the Bills this weekend but I think Dallas had a huge chip on their shoulder losing to San Fran last year in the playoffs the way that they did so I think they went into this game playing their best game of the season defensively I, I, I think San Fran's defense is just so good that their explosive plays that Philly is known for won't be there and Jalen Hurts is uh, you know, RPOs aren't going to be there either because of how good San Fran is at the lineback core. So I, I do think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. I don't necessarily think it'll be a blowout either way, but I do have San Fran coming out on top. So what's your biggest takeaway from this weekend from a fantasy standpoint? From a fantasy standpoint – uh, well, just just in general, either one's fine. Well, from a fantasy standpoint, I, I think the the stack of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is probably the best in the league. And from a regular NFL standpoint, I'm going to go back to the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the league, and it wouldn't shock me if he goes into Arrowhead this weekend and beats the Chiefs. If people are saying he's the best quarterback in the league, yeah, I, I'm absolutely there with you. If we're if we're picking quarterbacks to 
run our franchise, to run the Panthers right now, let's say, because obviously I said last week I was a Panthers fan, and I can have any quarterback in the league. Well, I'm going to take Mahomes first, of course, but if Mahomes is unavailable, I'm going to Joe Burrow uh, without a doubt. Now, in dynasty slash fantasy, he's not quite at my number two spot yet. I still think I have Allen a little bit ahead of him, but it's getting closer. You know, I I do think that Burrow will have more longevity than Allen, but we'll touch on this a bit more later. Um, My biggest takeaway from this weekend, and this is a a completely a a fantasy, more specifically a dynasty uh, standpoint, and it's going to sound like a public service announcement, but ladies and gentlemen, Dak Prescott is going to be fine. Okay? Settle down. Don't go selling for a first late first-round draft pick. Don't try to flip him for Kirk Cousins in a second or anything crazy like that. Dak Prescott is going to be fine. Uh, Dak finished as the... 10th highest point per game score this year amongst quarterbacks. Uh, in total points, he was 18th. Uh, that was after missing four games. So you put four games into that mix, it's very likely that Dak would have been a top 10 score once again this year. Uh, the injuries are always a concern with Dak. I know that. But after week seven of this year, he played pretty – not only did he play well, but he looked healthy out there. It didn't look like anything was really bothering him, in my opinion. Uh, he. He has four years left on his contract. Two of those years, the last two of those years are voidable. I, I know that, but does anybody really think that Jerry Jones is going to void Dak Prescott's contract? They're not getting a better quarterback than Dak Prescott in the next four years. They're going to be in the playoff mix again next year. It, it's just not going to happen. So a lot of people are saying, well, he always struggles in the NFL playoffs. Okay, that's fine. You're right. He does struggle in the NFL playoffs for you know, the last couple of years and in the past before as well, but who cares? We don't, we don't play fantasy football during the NFL playoffs. What he does during that time doesn't really affect him as far as his production at all. It does. It's affecting him in, in value right now a little bit, of course, but that's going to go away by the start of the season or, or even by the rookie draft. People are going to get, start doing their, their tier rankings and they're going to start, Placing Dak where they think that he belongs, and they're gonna they're gonna completely forget about this blunder against the the 49ers because at the end, like I said, it just doesn't matter. And the last reason why I wouldn't panic on with Dak Prescott right now is because who are you gonna pl- replace him with? Look how weak the quarterback position is in fantasy football right now, more specifically dynasty. It's as shallow as it's been in, in the last two to three years, in my opinion. It's I don't see that how anyone could legitimately make a ranking where Dak would end up in the top 12 to 13. I just I can't see 12 to 13 guys on that board who people are actually going to be able to put ahead of them. So I, I guess I would be trying to buy Dak right now. At least I wouldn't be aggressively trying to buy Dak right now at the, at the price before this game. Now, if there's some deals out there to be had, I, I'm happy to go get them. But I guess the main point is, is just if you have them on your roster, don't panic. Stick with Dak. You'll be fine. Yeah, I agree with you. When he came back after his injury, Dallas Cowboys were the best offense in the league. And I don't know the exact ranking 
from that Dak had from when he came healthy till the end of the season. But I guarantee you it was top five in, in fantasy uh, for quarterbacks. And like you said, he's got four years left on his contract. Jerry Jones is not going to cut him. In fact, Jerry Jones is going to go out and find him another wide receiver to be more reliable than Michael Gallup or T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he may go out and get him two more of those guys because that's where the deficiency was in the playoffs. Their defense was great. Dak didn't play great, but like you said, we're not cutting Dak off the team. Um, Pollard is, you know, Pollard hurt his his leg in, in the game, so that's going to tank his value. They may not re-sign him, but they're going to go out and get another running back to either be the starter or to back up Zeke or to do the two-headed monster like they've been doing. And then they're going to go out and get another wide receiver. Dak's going to be just fine. Dak's still a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. And and that's it. Dak, Dak's going to be able to go out there and get you those QB1 numbers. Every bit of their draft capital this year is probably going to go towards the offense, wouldn't you say? Offensive line, receivers. They, they, may have a, they may make some third or fifth and fifth round picks on some defensive players maybe, but I just can't imagine that they're not going to spend the bulk of their their important draft pack capital uh, selecting offensive players and going out and signing guys too. So, yeah, I, I think the Dak situation is going to get better all the way around. Oh, I can't wait till their first-round draft pick is like some linebacker out of <laughs> Colorado State or something. Right, okay. Because they've been known to do that before. It ended up it ended up working out pretty well. But I think back to taking C.D. Lamb whenever you had uh, uh, Cooper and what we thought was going to be a much more productive Michael Gallup than what he has turned out to be this year. And, and Michael Gallup is coming back from an injury, so it is quite possible that he can retain that. Michael Gallup that we thought was going to be there as the wide receiver too when he's completely healthy. Right, right, right. Oh wow! So a little bit of breaking news here on the on the show. Uh, my son has just texted me and informed me that the Carolina Panthers have just uh, hired uh, Frank Reich as their head coach. Sorry, I'm a little lost for words right now. As I, I mentioned last week, the Panthers are my favorite team and my son's favorite team. By the way, Luigi, he is. Pissed. Uh, yeah, you know, I would be too. I, I think there's better head coaching options out there than Frank Reich. Um, if I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, I would be not ecstatic about the hire. I don't think it's an egregious hire. I wouldn't be super pissed about it, but I think considering that they didn't even try to hire other coaches and they just went straight for Frank Reich, I mean, there's a lot of time out there and not a lot of coaches have been signed yet. Yeah, so I'm trying to process my initial feelings on this. I'm trying to be somewhere in the middle, and that's that's kind of how I feel. Uh, honestly, I was hoping that we would get a big name. I was hoping that we could get Jim Harbaugh to come from Michigan. That was a rumor a few weeks ago. I was I was really on board with that one, obviously. Uh, Sean Payton was interviewed by us, and his name's been mentioned. Although I would have loved to have had Sean Payton, I didn't want to give up two first-round draft picks to, to do that. But I really feel like, and I'm not like mad about the hire, and I, I don't think it's like a, a terrible hire by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like if you weren't going to get a big, big name, and I don't think Frank Reich's a big name at this point. He's let's be honest, he's a retread. I don't think he'll be a retread in the same vein as Adam Gase was, because I, I, I think Frank Reich was a much better coach in Indy than Frank than uh, Gase was anywhere he was at. 
But I, I guess if you were going to not get the big name, why not reward Steve Wilkes? Why not reward the guy who turned that team from a flaming dumpster fire into a respectable team the last 12 games that season? They went 6-6. Six and six. The defense got even better, which I didn't think was possible. The offense actually wasn't terrible with Sam Darnold at, at quarterback. So, personally, I would have rewarded Steve Wilkes. Like I said, uh, a lot of the players and former players were behind Wilkes too, which I think is, would have just been another reason to go ahead and do it. But I'm not as mad as, as my son is over, over the hire. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I, I mean, there haven't been any head coaches hired yet. So for this really to be the first one, it's kind of a shocker that they didn't wait and try to get other coaches. Yeah, yeah. I might have a very different opinion on this this time next week, so stay tuned for that. But So we're going to move on to our new weekly segment here. Uh, format's very simple. We're going to take a player each week, uh, someone that I've that we feel like might be a little bit more polarizing than the majority of players, and we're going to just uh, kind of give our opinion on what we would do with these guys in general. I'm going to call this segment – what are you doing with, and then obviously the player's name. So with that being said, on the third in the third week of January 2023, Luigi Federico, what are you doing with Saquon Barkley? So coming off of a extremely good year, not obviously the best year of his career, but a very solid year for Saquon Barkley, where many people were extremely down on him at the beginning of 2022. You know, he finished as the RB5 this year in both total points and um, average points per game. I, I think this is going to be a new norm for him, you know, obviously only over the next three seasons as running backs start to decline when they reach that age. But if I can get top eight, top 10 production out of him for the next three years, I mean, I, I'm, I'm keeping him because I don't think anybody would be willing to give you what he's worth at this moment. I think people are still too skeptical that he's going to revert back to being injury prone, which is a, a term that I hate using. Um, but, I mean, he showed this year he was healthy all year, maybe not 100% all year, but healthy enough to be on the field and to finish as the RB5. Well, I, you know, he is was the RB5 this year in both total points and average, as you said. He was healthy all year, and he's about to sign a monster contract, right? It's the, the, the Giants have always said that they're keeping uh, – they're going to pay Barkley pretty much what he wants. They haven't said it like that, but we know it's coming, right? Despite all that, I'm selling Saquon Barkley, and it's, it's really simple. His peak value was whenever he was a rookie or maybe right after his rookie season, whenever he was going in the first round of startups, uh, some, sometimes as high as the 101. And he had a drastic fall after that, as we all know. I feel like this year will probably be this offseason, right now, heading into the rookie draft and in the next season, will be Saquon, Park, Saquon Barkley's peak value for the rest of his career, not including his rookie in the second year before all the injuries happened. But I think right now is where he will be worth the most 
that he ever has been. And if I'm, especially if I'm win later, I'll be, I'm trading every running back if I'm win later. It, it, that's easy for me. But yeah, I agree with you. If I'm win later, I'm not keeping him on the roster because win later, you're probably looking at not 2023, but 2024. And I, I think you can get what you would get from him in 2024 that you can get for him now. My only problem is I don't think you're going to get what he's worth. So let me ask you a question. What do you think you could get for Saquon Barkley right now? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you look at some, I'm not going to name them, but if you look at some of the various ranking sites out there right now, Saquon Barkley is easily in the top five QBs. And most places he's third or fourth. Uh, I can tell you right now that I, I'm not taking him nearly that high. So even if I'm win now, I'm I'm trading Saquon Barkley for his current value and trying to move down to Josh Jacobs or Austin Eckler. Those are just a couple of names. And I may only get a second round pick with those guys or a late first to move off of Barkley to go to those guys. But do you realize that Josh Jacobs averaged over two points more per game this year than, than Saquon Barkley. And Austin Eckler, who is only two years older than Saquon Barkley and doesn't have nearly the injury pass as Saquon Barkley, scored five more points per game on average than Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley obviously was a top five running back this year, but I think that his current value is kind of inflated in my opinion. Based on what he's shown, based on his injury history, and based on the fact that there's just guys out there who are not that much older than him, and in Josh Jacobs' case, he's even younger than him, and he's just out producing him. And I'm not saying that I would take Josh Jacobs over Saquon Barkley, but if I could get, uh, you know, trade Saquon Barkley for Josh Jacobs and the 112 or even the 201. I think I'm slamming that because I fully expect a guy like Jacobs to be back with the uh, with the Raiders or with with some team, and and he showed that he can play this play the game of football this year. Yeah, if I can get Josh Jacobs in a late first or an early second, or, or Austin Eckler in a late in an early second for Saquon Barkley, I'm probably moving off of him in a win now team because you're getting close to the same production, if not better production, like you said, Jacobs and Eckler outscored him in points per game uh, this year. I think those are trades that you could make too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I would probably move off of him for sure, um, especially picking up that additional asset. But I'm not so certain that, that you would be able to make those trades. I don't necessarily think people are trading Josh Jacobs and adding to him to get Saquon Barkley or even Austin Eckler. I think in certain rankings, Austin Eckler's ranked higher than Saquon Barkley as well. You've seen a, you've seen a ranking where Austin Eckler is rated ahead of Saquon Barkley. I have not seen that. I've seen people discuss Austin Eckler being in the same breath as Saquon Barkley. I'm not necessarily saying that there are rankings that have him that high or above, but I don't think you would get anything with Eckler uh, trading Barkley to that team. I think you could. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying in every league, but I think that there are plenty of league out leagues out there where you could turn Barkley into Eckler. With Eckler, more like a mid second, maybe, or you could turn him into Jacobs and a late first, early second. I think the aura, the aura, sorry, around uh, 
Saquon Barkley is greater than what he actually is. I don't think he's that much higher than a lot of these guys who he's being considered higher than. And uh, both in production and in value going forward, in my opinion. And it doesn't have to be for a running back. I, I, I'm not a running back guy, even on win now teams. I like to just, I like to have good running backs, but I'm much more worried about my wide receiver situation. So if your running backs look fine without Barkley, I'm all in favor of trading, starting at, you know, wide receiver, your wide receiver six and going all the way down to like wide receiver 11 or 12. If you can, if you can swap that guy straight up for, for Barkley on, on a win now or win later team, I'm probably in favor of doing that. Barkley for Hill is a trade that I would strongly consider right now. If I'm, if I'm win now, Barkley for cup plus is a trade that I'm definitely doing, obviously depending on what the plus is, but uh, I, I just, I don't have a lot of faith that Saquon Barkley is going to be more valuable than he is right now. And I don't have a whole lot of faith that his production is going to improve. Maybe it stays the same, but I think that there will be a bit of a regression with Saquon Barkley going into next season. Yeah. I think that they add better weapons to the team to take a load off of Saquon. So I don't think he gets the same amount of, screens that he was getting early on in the year and and honestly towards the end of the year there was one point where Barkley was like the the RB2 and then towards the end of the year teams either caught on they started doing something different I don't know but but he definitely regressed so let's go ahead and move on to our uh, first roster that we're going to analyze today this roster belongs to our very own Luigi Federico so Luigi take it away so I'm going to give the league specifics like the league type and the starting requirements and such. It is a 12-team Superflex league. The starting requirements are one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one Superflex, and two flexes. That's 10 total spots. Basically the same as last week. Basically the same as last week, yes, sir. My 2022 finish, uh, it was had a record of 5-9, and nine with, which was 8th place. Uh, it was scoring was ninth place and its potential points was also ninth place. The draft capital I have the 104, the 111, the 204, the 207, the 211, and the 304, as well as my 2024 draft set, which is my first, second, and third. The notable players on the team are Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston, Matt Coral and Malik Willis. At running back, I have Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams, and DeAndre Swift. At wide receiver, I have Amonra St. Brown, Jalen Waddell, Michael Pittman, Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, Kadarius Toney, Alec Pierce, Nico Collins, Sky Moore, and David Bell. And then at tight end, at tight end, I have Pat Fryermuth and Jawan Johnson. So starting with my own personal valuation of the team, I clearly don't have a strong enough quarterback to be relied upon as quarterback one. I think Jimmy G can slot in as quarterback two, and Mac Jones can slot in as the quarterback three or vice versa, whichever way you have them ranked. I don't have a lot of faith in Wilson or Willis at this point. Winston is probably an afterthought at this point, but who knows? He could be the Saints starter in 2023. He's signed to the team till the end of 2023. I am not a huge Andy Dalton fan, so I think it's highly possible that he could be their, their quarterback. So my first impressions of this team whenever 
uh, I looked at it was, wow, it's stacked. It's a good job. Congratulations on, on this team. Uh, I would categorize this in my rankings as a win now and later team. Well, not quite yet, but after I get done with it, we'll classify it as a win now and later team. Because you have one glaring problem, and that problem is the quarterback position. Because as you alluded to, I don't want to go into week one of the season with any of these guys as my QB2, let alone my QB1. So that's what I'm going to be looking at going forward. So moving on to my running backs, I have Kenneth Walker as my RB8 and DeAndre Swift as my RB15. So in my mind, I've got two of the top players at the running back position, as well as Javante Williams, who many had in their top 10 at the start of the 2022 season. Spiller is pretty much just a backup at this point on a team that doesn't run the ball a lot. They only ran the ball like 34% of the time, and most of that is going to go to Austin Eckler. So I don't have him really worth rostering at this point. Yeah, I agree on Spiller. I didn't even list him among your notable assets whenever I put the notes together. Uh, Kenneth Walker and Williams and DeAndre Swift are all in my top 13 in my rankings. So you've got obvious studs here. Uh, you just you just need depth at this position. So moving on to the wide receivers, I think wide receiver is definitely the strength of my team. Um, Amonra is my wide receiver 10. Waddle is my wide receiver 14. Pittman is my wide receiver 21. So I've got three top 21 wide receivers, as well as Christian Watson, Jameson Williams, Alec Pierce, and Kadarius Toney. And I also have David Bell, Nico Collins, and Sky Moore that I can use to package with other pieces on my team, in my mind, to get quarterbacks or to get the depth at running back. I think I'm pretty set going forward either way with this team, uh, considering the oldest of the wide receiver group is Pittman being 25. Yeah, this wide receiver group is just silly. Uh, Amon Ra and Waddle are in my top six in my rankings. And then it just, you get Pittman and Watson and Williams and then Tony and Pierce. It goes on and on and on and on. And so my only question is to you is why didn't you trade these guys for quarterbacks last year? Uh, and we'll, I guess we'll get to that a little bit more later, but uh, this is way too much depth and star power at that position for your quarterbacks to look this average. I'll touch on that a little bit. You know, early on in the year, Walker wasn't performing the way he ended the year as. Swift was hurt. Javante Williams missed the entire season of 2022. So I didn't actually have enough pieces to combine with my current quarterbacks or, or other pieces to be able to get quarterbacks that would help me win this year because I didn't think that my team was good enough last year to help me win. So I figured I would hold on to, to some of these guys and hope that their value increased like Jamison Williams and Kendarius Tony, so that if I wanted to trade them this off season, their value was better than it was at the beginning of the season in a year that I didn't think I was going to be able to win anyway with all the injuries I had at running back. So what about your tight ends? What are we looking at there? So at tight end, I have Pat Fryermuth as my tight end six. And Jawan Johnson is my tight end 17. The only reason I have Johnson so low is because of his low floor. I think his ceiling is probably top 10, and he's shown that at times. He flashes to 25, 30-point games. Um, but whenever he's bad, it's like four-point games. So the difference between him and a lot of the top 10 tight ends is they're more consistent with their point production. Uh, 
I think this is obviously an adequate tight end group with Frymuth being my tight end seven and, and Johnson somewhere down there in the early 20s. Just think that you need, a, a, you know, maybe one more depth guy, and I think this position is absolutely fine. So like Joe stated earlier on, I believe this team is in the category of win now and win later. I would like to make trades that can benefit my team's ability to win now, but also not crippling my team for the future. I think my team is a QB1, some depth at running back, and some decent luck away from being able to compete for the championship. I think I can package Matt Jones with the 104-111 to achieve either a low-end QB1 or a high-end QB2, as well as use the 104 if I package Matt Jones in the 111 to draft a quarterback or Jameer Gibbs, should Jameer Gibbs fall there. I plan on sending out some offers before the uh, rookie draft or really honestly even before the um, NFL rookie draft um, to try, try and achieve a low-end QB1 or a high-end QB2. Some of the trade offers I would send out would be Mac, the 104 and the 204 for Trevor Lawrence, Mac, the 111 and 204 for Justin Fields, the 111 and the 204 for Trey Lance, and the 111 and the 207 for Kirk Cousins. I think those are all great trades if you can get them done, with the exception of I'm a little curious on Trey Lance. Why did, why would you want to bring Trey Lance onto a win-now team right now? Because I think he has extremely high ceiling um, anywhere that he goes. I, I think a lot of people are talking about the 49ers as Brock Purdy's team, but I think it's honestly still Trey Lance's team. So I like what Purdy has done with the team, and I think Trey Lance can do that a little bit better. And like I said, the, the team is a win now and win later, but you're looking to win now. And I, I think adding Trey Lance for – I consider that to be pretty cheap. I can still make other trades to help, and, and Trey Lance could end up being my, my QB2 instead of my QB1. What was it again for Lance? I'm sorry, it was the 111 and – The 111 and the 204. That would be a cheap price on Lance. I don't really think you could get that done for Lance, but I'm question. I think I would go for more like a guy like Kirk Cousins or, or Daniel Jones that might be cheaper than Lance, but probably help you win a lot more next season. Yeah, but also if I trade for somebody like Daniel Jones and he has one more year left, then I kind of just tr- I traded two draft picks or one draft pick for a player that I got one year out of. And I think with Trey Lance, I'm looking at a three three to four year window as opposed to maybe just one more year from Daniel Jones. But I agree with you on Kirk Cousins. And honestly, Kirk Cousins is probably one of the guys that you can get for pretty cheaply compared to where he performs at. So let's assume I can make that trade for T-Law. I will roll out in 2023 with Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback one. It's not ideal, but Jimmy Garoppolo at my Superflex. Kenneth Walker at my RB1. DeAndre Swift as my RB2, Amonra as my wide receiver one, Waddle as my wide receiver two, Pittman as my wide receiver three, Javante Williams at my first flex, Christian Watson at my second flex, and Pat Frymuth as my tight end one. My bench will include Jameis Winston, Jameson Williams, Kadarius Toney, Alec Pierce, Whomever I take at the 111, likely best player available, unless one of the quarterbacks falls to that position. Whomever I take at the 207, again, best player available. Whomever I take at the 211, best player available. Sky Moore, 
David Bell, and Jawan Johnson. Okay, here's what I'm going to do with Luigi's team. And it, it's very similar to what he did with, with one, what I would say is one major difference. So we're going to start with, I'm not trading Amon-Ra or Waddle. I love having two young top five, top six-ish tight ends on my roster. It's win now, win later, doesn't matter. Love that. I'm actually keeping this running back stable. I'm not a guy who usually, uh, you know, puts a lot of, of, of stock into running the running back position, but these are three of my top 13 guys. That, like I said earlier, and they're all high upside guys. I'm just going to add depth at that position. I'm going to try to keep, hold on to Pittman and Watson, but I could be enticed to trade them for a quarterback and probably a quarterback only. So what I'm going to, my biggest thing that I'm going to try to accomplish this team is I'm going to take Mac Jones, Jamison Williams, the 104, the 111, his 2024 first and his 2024 second. I'm going to take all those assets and I'm going to go after a quarterback one and a quarterback two for this roster. Uh, any comment, they, you could start at Mahomes and go all the way down the list to my like quarterback 17, which is Daniel Jones. I want two of those guys. I'm probably going to avoid Young and Stroud uh, because I do think this is obvious this team is ready to win right now. So I don't want unknowns on this particular roster. Uh, but anyone else between Mahomes and Daniel Jones, guys like uh, Fields and even the Fields, I would probably want on this team. Tua, uh, Cousins, Daniel Jones. I'm probably staying. I'm probably staying away from Lance for the same reason I'm staying away from Young and Stroud. I don't really feel like he's proven a whole lot yet. Love him on win later teams, but not sure I I, I want him here. Uh, I I could even be enticed to go go down maybe even to a Stafford who I don't have a lot of faith in, but I, I like him a lot better than I do Mac Jones, who I think is your QB one right now. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking all those assets and I have to trade every single one of them and maybe some, you know, seconds and some more of the seconds and thirds if I have to. I'm getting two of those quarterbacks because that's what this team needs to win a championship. Uh, so that assuming that all of those assets do get traded to accomplish this, that leaves me with the 204, the 207, the 211, the 304. I'm using the 204 and the 207 to strengthen my depth at running back. This deep is this draft is deep at the running back position, and there should be guys at the 16th and the 19th overall picks that I can slot into my roster on if some if one of my studs gets hurt or on off weeks. Uh, the 211 and the 304, I'm spending at least one of those picks to pick up some depth at, at tight end, maybe trading one of those picks to pick up depth at tight end. Uh, and then the other one I'm probably going to use on another running back. I just I, I think that after you accomplish the task of getting those two quarterbacks, that's what you, you need to look at next is just getting as much running back depth as you can because even if I trade, even if this team trades Jamison Williams, it's still going to have like six or seven deep at, at uh, quarterback or at wide receiver, excuse me. I don't hate your idea at all of taking Jameer Gibbs at the 104. I just think that I'm going to need that pick to get the quarterback that I desire. And that's why I, I didn't go that route. So let me go ahead and recap real quick. Uh, 
at QB one and QB two, I'm going to have whichever guys I traded for. Let's say for this exercise, it's going to be Prescott and Cousins. I think those guys are very attainable at their current prices, and would be massive upgrades to Luigi's current roster. Uh, RB one, uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, RB two, uh, Javante. Wide receiver one, Amon Ra. Wide receiver two, Waddle. Wide receiver three, Pittman. Tight end one, Fryermuth. Uh, flex one Swift and flex two Christian Watson. So on my bench, and we haven't really talked about this, even though I I didn't like uh, the ups the, the the upper tier of your quarterbacks. Garoppolo, Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston, Matt Corral, and Malik Willis is a good amount of people that could could fit into that quarterback three role. Even if you have an injury with one of those top two guys, you're not going to be, it's not going to be absolutely a terrible situation, but I just prefer going into a, into the year with a better starting QB two than what you have on your list as like Mac Jones or Garoppolo, if I remember correctly. Uh, also at r- running back bench, you're going to have, 204 and the 207, whoever I decide, which running backs I take at those positions. Uh, At wide receiver, Kadarius Toney, Alec Pierce. That's what's starting four wide receivers and trading one for your quarterback. So, again, just insane depth at at wide receiver. I'm not even talking about Collins and Moore and Bell, who could be something down, down the road. Uh, At tight end on your bench, you would have Jawan Johnson and the 211, 304, somebody you draft or trade for there. So that would be the finished product, my finished product. So that's uh, the Mon and Luigi's uh, takes on what we would do with his team. I would love to for you guys to comment down below and let us know who you think you got it right, who got it wrong, or which one you like better. Maybe you think both of us got it right. Maybe you both think we both got us wrong, but uh, please uh, leave a comment below and let us know what you think. Let's talk about Greg Denny's team, shall we? Here's the specifics. The league type is a 12-team, super flex, 1.5 tight end premium, 0.25 point per carry. Starting requirements are one quarterback, two running back, three wide receivers, one tight end, one super flex, and two flex, 10 total. This is basically the same lineup we've dealt with with all the rosters so far. Uh, 2022, he finished in 12th place. Uh, therefore, he has the 101. He also has the 109, two seconds. I'm not, we're not sure exactly where those were at. And his draft capital is in 2024 is his own 2024 first and second, and he has two additional firsts. The notable players on this roster are Deshaun Watson at quarterback, Dak Prescott, Matt Corral at running back, Rashad White at wide receiver. Jerry Judy, at tight end, Trey McBride, and Dalton Schultz. So obviously this is a rebuild. Greg knows that. Luigi and I both know that. So I'm going to kind of give my take on the team, and Luigi's going to chime in whenever he sees fit. Uh, I love that he has started this rebuild with Watson and Prescott. You guys know by now how I feel about quarterbacks on win later teams and just quarterbacks in general. I would not trade them unless somebody just offered me a very lucrative deal, I would stay on those quarterbacks because that's how I like to start building a team. I would also hold on to Matt Corral. I know that he doesn't have a lot of value, so to me that means he has more value on my team than he does actually trading him. 
The first move that I would try to make with this team, and the one that sticks out to me the most, is I would try to trade Rashad White for a 2023 first. I would start at the 108, but would probably accept anything 111 or better. I would also accept a 2024 first and second, but I don't want to go in with this team as shallow as it is on talent. I don't want to have any running backs that have value on my team right now. I think I would... I'm going to agree with you to the extent of trading him for the 111 or better, but I wouldn't just accept a 2024 first and, and second for him just yet. I think you hold out. If, if if the best you can get is the 112 or the 201 for Rashad White or the equivalent of, then I think you hold him just a little bit longer to see what, what more you can get out of him as the season goes along. I, I know that you don't want to go into the season with – running backs normally on a, on a rebuild team. But let's be honest, I don't think having Rashad White on this team is going to make a huge difference in possible points. It, it doesn't make a huge difference, it, but it's it's more about that I just don't want Rashad White aging on my team. And I know he's only, what, he's probably this only 23 or 24 right, years old right year. now. Sure, but this team is probably, at, what would you say, at least three years away from being a serious contender? Right, but and, that, and that's why I think you hold him just a little bit. If, if the best you can get is, is the 112, I wouldn't be willing to trade him for a random 2024 first right now at this moment. I, I think you wait just a little bit longer in the season to see what you can get for him. Well, the reason why I disagree with that quite a bit is, is I, I think, like I mentioned last week, that 2024 class is already worth almost as much. The picks are almost worth as much as the 20. 23s right now and I think worst case scenario if you get the 112 and the 212 out of Rashad White that's not a terrible return and if for some reason Rashad White turns into the 106 next year and the 206 or even better I think you won that trade by quite a bit now I'm not saying that I don't think Rashad White could be something in this league but I just with at the running back position on a win later team I would just rather have the draft capital. I, I just don't want to keep keep these guys on my roster. Next thing I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to trade Judy for the 108 or better or a possibly a 2024 first and second. I'm not as high on doing this. I would still try to do definitely for the 108 or better in this year's class, but I actually might not trade him for a 2024 first and second because he is a wide receiver. And I, I believe in wide receivers, they hold their value a lot longer than running backs do. You're taking a real risk, I think, with Judy if you trade him for a 2024 first and second that maybe you won't return your value. But as far as this year's draft class, I'm slamming him for the 108 or higher. I'm probably going to get one of my top three wide receivers in this class at, at the 108, which I, I like all three of them better than Judy at this point. But if I if I do end up getting stuck with Judy, I'm okay with that. I think I'm willing to take even the 110. I think there's 10 guys at least in this draft that I, that I like better than Judy. Yeah, you might have a point there because what if what if Levis slips there, you right. know? Or what if one of the top three wideouts slips there because of Levis and Richardson? So and and I and you know like I said last week, I have Keshawn Boutte a lot higher, and, and I think you'll see at the combine that that that's where he'll be. He'll be at the at least a top 10 pick, and, and, and he'll be worth that. I think he'll come out of the combine looking like a top three wide receiver. So I think getting the 110 is is right where Judy is is valued at. So anything higher than the 110, I just think you're gaining value. 
And then lastly, as far as the players that are currently on the roster, I'm going to try to take Schultz and get like maybe a mid-second out of him. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of value in keeping him on your team. For for starters, I love that you have Trey McBride. I love Trey McBride is one of my probably my favorite tight end on win win later teams right now. I, I, I like what I saw at the end of the season from him. Uh, I liked him going into last year's rookie draft, so I, I really like your position there. And, and Dalton Schultz, just I don't feel like he's probably going to be worth more in three years than whenever your team's ready to win than, than what you've got going on now. Yeah, I, I love Trey McBride. I, I liked him um, when he was in college. I, I valued him as being the, the top tight end of the draft in 2022. Um, and to go to a team that likes to throw, you, you, you've you got a solid tight end, especially with a 1.5 tight end premium. Um, I'm not necessarily as high on selling Schultz for a mid-second. I think you could probably get just a little bit more out of him, considering it is tight end premium. It's not a lot tight end premium, but it's enough that, and Dak targets him enough that I, I think you can get probably more like an early second for him. And, and, and I would obviously start with a second and a third maybe just to see what the most I can get out of him for. Yeah, well, and we, let's be honest, we always start high. Right, definitely. <laughs> this is more along the lines of what I think I'll actually be able to get out yeah. of him. Well, let's move on to the most exciting part of this team, and that is the fact that, that Greg owns the 101. So here's the exciting part about it to me. Greg doesn't want to take B. John Robin into, into next season, but he can trade the 101 in B. John Robinson. And Greg, my advice to you is sky's the limit. Make all kinds of offers, even if they seem outlandish. Make those offers because we know what the hype is going to be around this guy. And there is no telling what somebody will be willing to pay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down into the trades that I think might actually get done, but again, start higher than what I'm saying for sure. Uh, if I have the 101 in any of my leagues and, and don't want Bijan, this is what I'm going to be doing as well. And 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 FYI, I'm probably not gonna want Bijan on any of my teams because of the value that he's gonna have going forward. Uh, I'm tra- I'm trading the I'm gonna send the 101 for like the 105 and the 106. You could probably get your wide receiver one and two on this roster from this year's draft class instead of Bijan. And I, I, I'm slamming that on a win later team. Uh, again, you could probably get more than that. But that's just where, I, where I'm thinking uh, right now. Maybe you could get like a guy like Devontae Smith and the 105, which would give you an already established wide receiver and uh, your wide receiver one most likely out of this year's class, the, the, the amount of possibilities here are endless. I think that's too cheap, to be honest with you. I don't think I'm accepting anything less than the 104 and the 105 and, and probably, honestly, like an early second as well. And, and even if you think to yourself, well, why would you want the 104? If you want your wide receiver or even your quarterback because I mean yeah or even your quarterback because you're probably going to have Bijan and one of the quarterbacks and either Jameer Gibbs or the other quarterback is going to go at the 103 then you're going to have Jameer Gibbs and the 105 and you're not taking Jameer Gibbs there but you're trading back you're gaining more assets so I'm not walking away from this trade without the 104 and the 105 if it's applicable i would i would certainly accept the 104 and the 105 obviously but i think 
that might be trying to get too cute. Why not just get into that 105, 106? If if you if that if your trade's not there, obviously, get in that 105 and 106 and get your top two wide receivers. Man, I I, I think that that's a a great trade for him. I don't think it's enough. I, I really I really don't. I, I think the hype that's surrounding him. I think he's going to be worth a lot more than than just the 105, 106 right now. He he may end up being worth more. So get the five to six and like the, the, the twelfth or. <laughs> Wow, the eighth would be a jerk. <laughs> it, it makes me excited thinking about all the things that people might potentially be willing to trade me for B. John Robinson. Uh, I wish I had more shares of the one. I wish I had more one hundred and one shares, but unfortunately, I do not. Uh, but you know, I, I, I'm going to reiterate it again. Say, say it one last time. Sky's the limit, Greg. Send out gobs and gobs and gobs of offers. Uh, see see who gives you who gives you the best deal, but I, I would definitely not take Bijan Robinson into the 2023 regular season on this roster. I would get the most whatever the most value is. I would go get it. Yeah, I agree. I'm not drafting at the 101. I don't think. Period. I think even if even if you have to settle for the 105 and 106, and yes, I do think that that is a settle. I think that that's what you have to do. You're not taking Bijan Robinson there. You're definitely trading out and gaining as much possible value as you can. Okay. Uh, at the 109, I'm just going to draft best player available. Probably not a running back, but I'm not going to close myself off to it. If if the running back is clearly the best, the best player is clearly a running back at that point, I'll take him. But most likely that's going to be a wide out or Michael Mayer on this team. Uh, seconds and... Uh, you know, you're also going to have your seconds and whatever picks you get for the 101 and Rashad White. So I'll play a little devil's advocate. I think I would definitely rather keep Rashad White on the roster as opposed to taking a running back at, at 109. I think you keep Rashad White and you take a wide receiver or Michael Mayer or whatever quarterback falls there if that's the case. Well, I'm, I'm trying to trade Rashad White before the rookie draft. I'm just saying, you know, worst case scenario that someone that you weren't expecting at 109 slips there and you think they're just that much better than the wideouts or the tight ends or the quarterbacks. Most likely that's not going to happen. Yeah, because I think even if that happens, I still think you you definitely trade back. I, I don't think you draft there if there's a running back there then. And absolutely. absolutely. With a team like Greg's, you're really just trying to trade back with every pick you have. Now, you don't want to take it too far. You don't want to end up with like all seconds and thirds trying to fill out your roster, but... I'm going to try to trade the 105 or the 108 in an early second, something like that. Probably the same thing with the 106. Uh, with the 109, if you want to trade something like a couple, an early second and a mid-second, you, you, get, you guys get the picture. But uh, you're almost settling if you make picks in like the top five or six, seven, eight in this, in this draft with a team like Greg's. You're just trying to acquire as much value as you can. So with all that being said, uh, let's take a look at how Greg's uh, roster turned out here. Uh, at the quarterback, he still has Watson, Prescott, and Corral. He has no running backs to speak of. Uh, he has Jerry Judy at the wide receiver. I decided to, to just keep Judy in this scenario. Just trade White, keep Judy. Uh, tight end, uh, he has McBride. Of course, he traded Schultz. So basically, it's Watson, Prescott, Judy, and McBride makes up his kind of his <laughs> startable players right now. His veterans, yeah, his veterans. But uh, he 
the good news is is that he has the 105, the 106, the 109, the 111, three seconds in 2023, and he has three firsts in 2024. So four firsts and three seconds in the next two years. Uh, this team is not gonna, is not pretty. It's not going to win very many games this year. But I would say just hang in there because this team, in my opinion, does have a future. You have ten, two top ten quarterbacks, and you have a slew of picks and a couple of drafts that people are are, are hyping up quite a bit right now. So there's there's no perfect way to do do a rebuild, but I think that moves like this will help you get there. Luigi, any closing thoughts on Greg's team? Yeah, you know, having you said four firsts in twenty twenty three and three firsts in twenty twenty four on a rebuild team, I would be ecstatic to have that much draft capital. You never know where those picks are going to end up in 2024. You could very well end up with three top five picks in 2024, a draft that, like Joe has said multiple times, is being hyped up to be just as good, if not better, as the 2023 draft. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic for you. Um, I hope you share with us the roster whenever it's finished because I look forward to seeing it. Absolutely, Greg. Please continue to share that roster with us over the next two to three seasons. That'll do it for the second episode of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, please leave any comments on Luigi's roster or Greg's roster below. We'd love to hear from you guys and just your comments on what you would do with these teams. Uh, we want this to be a uh, in- interactive show. Uh, we we want to hear if we're right, we're wrong, or somewhere in between. Uh, we hope you join us again for episode three. For my co-host, Luigi Federico, this has been Joe Galloway signing off.